On today's episode, we have investor Andy Choi. Andy has invested and participated in under 40 projects. He did his first investment remodel in 2015, profiting $30,000 and never looked back. What I love about Andy is he is passionate, young, hungry, and truly believes in the power of personal growth. Real estate investing for you. This is Pod Success. Pod Success. With Joe Arias, speaking to investors about the pitfalls and successes of remodels. These are top real estate investors. These are experts in the business. And this is Pod Success. Pod Success. Here is Joe Arias. Thank you so much. Andy, what a pleasure having you in the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Joe. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, well, Andy has been, you know, Andy's been a, a friend of mine for a few years now, and it's truly a pleasure, Andy. I've, you know, I've known you personally, and I've I've seen your, you know, your expansion, and I am, you know, it's really been great uh, to see how incredible investor you became, and uh, yeah. So, um, how has it been, Andy? Never been better, Joe. Never been better. Can't complain. Um, we're doing pretty good right now. We have a couple properties in construction and um, we have a wholesaling team as well. We're constantly generating leads. I'm, I'm very fulfilled. feel very fulfilled in today's times. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, can you share a little bit with the audience on how do you, how did you, you know, how did you get started? But, you know, before you started in real estate, what were you doing? Uh, what was your line of business and how did you end up in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was born in South Korea and came here to California when I was three months old. And I pretty much grew up here in Torrance, California, and been here all my life and uh, loved it ever since. And there's nothing like Los Angeles. Um, just love the weather, you know, love the different types of food and cuisines. And what happened was I got into the clothing business there's a fashion district here in downtown Los Angeles. It's a very big community. And I got in there when I was about like 18, like right after high school. Um, my parents wanted me to work and um, I had to earn it. I had to earn it and you know, I had to buy my own car, my cell phone. I had to be self-sufficient at a very young age. And that distilled in me a lot of uh, good work ethics at a young age. and. And what happened was in about 2010, I had about, I would say, five years of uh, working experience in the fashion district from sales to manufacturing uh, to fabrics. Like I, I had a different types of jobs and I worked at like maybe five different companies doing different roles. And about five years later in 2010, I created my own factory uh, manufacturing women's and men's clothing in here in Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, always me clothing and what this business does is we do full package and private label for department stores like for example like macy's nordstrom's if they need clothes they want clothes they'll come to my company and they'll place an order a couple thousand pieces ten thousand pieces and some of the easier styles will actually manufacture here uh if it's fast and not too many seams and stuff. And then all the more like blouses and jackets and denim, we'll do that overseas in China and Vietnam 
to bring the cost lower. But then again, the quantity gets bigger. There's a longer lead time. So that really, at a young age, you know, I was in my early 20s running this business and from zero to within the first three years, we grossed $3.2 million in sales. Um, And it was a good time. You know, Um, at the same time, I was very young. I was like 24 years old and having that kind of responsibility and opportunity was a challenge of its own. Like I really had to define my character of who I am and I had to understand what I'm good at, what I'm not good at and really be a team player as well and learn good and better habits. And really it's been a huge learning, learning experience and a journey and Fast forward a little bit from all that, um, in about 2015, um, the clothing business started to trickle down a little bit because online shopping was more feasible. So department stores, brick and mortars were going down. Everyone probably seen this in the news. A lot of big companies were actually filing bankruptcy, like Charlotte Russe, Forever 21, like big name, like Wet Seal filed bankruptcy twice. Thank God we didn't lose anything. We got paid everything. Like the only person that didn't pay me was this one designer. Like I made clothes for her and like she she paid me like 90%, but she didn't pay me like a thousand bucks. Thank God I got paid for everything that we did. Thank God. And um, this transition came, the whole internet vibe come through like Amazon, Nasty Gal, and everybody was doing online shopping now. And this is when uh, manufacturers like me were feeling a hit and we were still doing okay, but this was a good opportunity to start looking for a different adventure, right? And um, a friend of mine at the time, uh, she was, she heard a radio radio station about investing into real estate. It was, it was a seminar, and um, we went. To, uh, she told me about it, and um, I was like, okay, it's a free seminar. I'll go learn real estate. Why not? Okay, sounds good. Two hour free seminar. So I went to it, and when I went there. I was so astonished that I didn't know 80% of the vocabulary. Like I didn't know what a PML was or HML. I didn't know what a grant deed was, a promissory note. And I just had this like intuition, like I'm missing out on something. Like this sounds like really good stuff. And I was like, also like looking, I was thinking that back then, like, I'm a business owner for like 10 years and how could I not know these definitions? And it really got me very curious and I wanted to expand myself and learn it. And right there, I signed up for the more advanced course. And, um, and that's actually where we met too, right, Joe? Uh, that's, that's how actually we met at that uh, three-day event. Uh, we were there together. And um, that's right. Yeah, that's how that's how we started the real estate business. And um, is that how you transitioned? Basically, that was your the point where you kind of like said, "Okay, this has been a great run with the the clothing business, but now I want to create something new." You know, either parallel or just complete one and start the other. You know, at the time it was very challenging to be because I was very heavily inv- uh, involved in my business. We had a staff of like eight people from like designers to pattern makers, sample makers, I had like multiple sales reps and showrooms, but running a business, it's really all hands on deck. And what I was doing was I was running my business full time, 6 a.m. to like 5 p.m. And 5 p.m. I'll get some dinner real quick. 
Um, and from 6 p.m. till 12 a.m., I would just be studying and learning real estate, like nonstop. I would practice comping and get better at it. If I didn't know something, I would go on YouTube or I would go to the training website and I would learn it. I would absorb it. I was like a learning machine. And um, it was it, I, I knew I wanted to go all in in real estate, but I knew at the same time that I knew that I didn't know as much as I needed to. I didn't feel confident in pulling that first trigger. Mm. So I would say like maybe first, if I remember correctly, the first four to five months, I was just a student. And yes, I had a little bit of analysis paralysis looking at all these numbers on the MLS, on Redfin, right? I was using Redfin because I, I didn't have a realtor relationship at the time, but now we have MLS access. But I was just on Redfin, just looking at properties nonstop, literally to the point I remember like it, it just started to look like some gibberish, like all these numbers <laughs> and properties. I really thought I was lost. Like it was so much anxiety. But at one day after like the fourth fourth month, like as I was just practicing that over and over, I started to see like numbers and I started to see a spread, right? Like if I see a home selling for 400000 but suddenly there's another home selling for 200 Like there's a big difference there, right? So immediately I started to pick this up in the fourth month. And then it was more of a transition over time. And um, what happened, fast forward a little bit quicker from, from, from the moment that I'm, I'm telling this, is I slowly transitioned the clothing business because we were doing like a full-on operation. I had a 7,000 square foot warehouse. You know, again, I had like multiple employees. My overhead was $54,000 a month just in expenses. That was before I even made wow. a dollar, right? So wow. we had to do some serious volume. And... And I, I was a little bit stressed because uh, how am I going to juggle two balls at the same time? So what happened was I slowly decreased the clothing business where it was like, you know, 1% of the time. And and I just kept on my best clients. And you know, I, I have about 15 years in the apparel business and it's something that I don't want to just let go because I'm really good at manufacturing clothing. Uh, it's like, like breathing to me it's like second nature like buy the fabric cut it sew it ship it pack it where's the routing guide send the invoice like i know how to navigate through it as if it was just like something normal like cooking a egg for me something like that so i didn't want to throw away all that talent and i have a handful of really good clients that we've have a relationship over the time and they pay the bills so and real estate is a slow business like buying renovating and selling real estate that that takes months clothing business like i was saying earlier i can rotate 3000 10000 pieces in 3 to 4 weeks so you can imagine how fast i can turn around the money quicker so i kept it i kept the um i kept the clothing business always me clothing but i shrank it down where it was just like a couple employees and now today i actually just am a sales rep and all my accounts, I get the orders, I give it to my cousin's factory to manufacture it so I don't have to be the technician. I just give them the orders and then I get paid my cut, right? And then it's a great symbiotic relationship that we have right now. Um, and then I focus more into real estate and that's how the whole real estate adventure started. That's that's really great. I mean, I'm there's, there's a whole journey here and you know, you're still in it and you know, you're, you know, we have our entire lives ahead of us, and but I'm I'm really you know um, 
impress and and you know so interesting how you were able to to transition and i hear this from from the students a lot you know they they ask you know if i have a job should i quit the job should i just start from real estate from scratch and and you know what i'm hearing is the power of that transition that it helped you to pay the bills but also to educate yourself so you didn't have to go from cold to you know hot in so quickly yeah absolutely um and i can touch on that real quick and i think it really depends um on on the person i i was in a situation where i had a business that generated income and i already i already created that for myself and i know other investors you know one of my other business partner he's a doctor and you know he makes three hundred thousand dollars a year gross right and and he likes that and he also invests and flips homes and have rental properties on the side at the same time he, he does both he likes his w2 job because it gives him a sense of security and then sometimes you might have that one property that doesn't sell and you know you're kind of in a bad spot and having a source of consistent income kind of gives you that cushion to mitigate your risk a little bit right but then again on the contrary to that if you're if that's someone that's more conservative and they want to diversify a little bit right but on the contrary to that there's a part of me like you know are you willing to burn the boats to get to the island like are do you have that grit and that full potential of ambition to like i'm going to make this work you know when i was making that transition in the clothing i remember so vividly till this day that emotion of like i just felt like as i'm learning this new thing called real estate it's so it sounds so simple when i say real estate but actually all the little strategies and the skills, the thousands of different techniques and leverage that could be utilized to your advantage to make it more uh, lucrative. Um, I as I was learning all this, I really felt like I was jumping into the abyss, like the unknown. Like I knew, like I knew I didn't know that real estate. Like I knew I didn't know. Like I knew I had a void that I had to fill. Like I had to get information. I had to get experience. I had to get knowledge, right? And that just I was just so um, focused on that, that I was just so focused that I'm going to learn this. I was so determined. That's a very good word. I was so determined and persistent. Like this was it. Like there was no doubt. I had fears. Don't get me wrong. I had so much fears and I had so much anxiety. Oh, my God, am I doing this right? Am I comping this properly right? What if it doesn't work out? I had these thoughts. Don't get me wrong. And I felt a certain way regarding certain thoughts. I really felt scared in certain aspects. But at the other side, there's this some sort of suspense that I'm slightly addicted to. Like I was so curious, flipping the next page, what's around the corner? What, what's going to happen when I put this property under contract and I need to close escrow? And that's just the type of person I am. I love to learn and I, I excel in environments where I'm under the pressure a bit and you know I'm, I and I love where I'm always learning something new that's just kind of been part of my DNA but for a lot of new people that's starting into real estate and I come across them a lot as well there's a lot of people they learned for like almost a year but they haven't still done their first property you know and I think in my opinion that you have to really ask yourself, what is your purpose? You really got to find your why, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, there's going to be that little resistance. You're going to go through that threshold. You got to let go of that threshold of control. You got to get through it because everything's safe. And this is my routine. I'm getting this paid, my, you know, income. But 
the next step over buying that property, you're definitely not in control. Because you, why? You've never done it before. It's like if I'm gonna, everyone who has learned how to ski and snowboard. In the beginning, you're starting on the bunny slopes and the greens, and you go to the black diamond, and you have two choices: either you're gonna walk down, or you're gonna just, you know, ski down, and you're gonna figure it out. And then that's what I'm talking about—that that feeling of like, oh my gosh, like I don't—I know that I don't know this, but I'm still gonna do it. And that's how we learn. And once you do that. Couple of times you start learning to carve, skiing and snowboarding, right? And and it's like the best thing in the world. It's like the best thing in the world. So I think that's a very good example.、Um, we're always in life is going to be come to a moment where there's going to be something in our way, right? And I really do believe from my own experiences and some other people that I've seen, you have a choice in that moment when that roadblock comes, that voice comes in your mind. You really have a choice. Either you choose to listen to the voice and either do or don't, or you choose to be in control of your life and your destiny and ask yourself the true purpose and what is the vision that you have that you want to create, and then you take action. You just take action. You just go for it, man. Just go for it. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm definitely hearing the passion, and and that's one of the things I love about you. How passionate you are. Whatever you do. You're passionate. You put your heart on it, and I think that's something extremely valuable.、Um, can we talk about a little bit about that? You were mentioning about the analysis paralysis, and there's fears. And could, would you mind sharing a little more light on, you know, like how were you able to overcome those, you know, obstacles? Not only in your mind, but you know, go and get the first money. And if you can share, how did you put together your first deal? You know, where was it? How much you bought it for? If you can, you know. Maybe you made money on the first deal. Maybe you lost money. How was that first deal experience? Yeah, absolutely. And、uh, yes, when I started real estate, after I learned a little bit,、uh, I the first property I bought. The first, I'll, I'll tell the story with the first property I bought. So the first property I bought,、uh, I was it was an accidental thing. <laughs> Believe it or not,、uh, accidents actually happen <laughs> in real estate, <laughs> and sometimes they can be good. And- You were looking that, for right? it, right? I wasn't looking for this property. It just—I wasn't looking for it. But I was on Redfin, and I was just comping properties. I was just as a as a you know. This is what my、uh, mentor told me to do: keep practicing, keep practicing. You know, you're a real estate athlete, and you just got to constantly practicing, copying, and seeing numbers, and getting that distinction very well. I was like, oh shoot, okay.、Um, so I was just doing that. I was doing that one night. I remember I was at my office. This was the seven thousand square foot warehouse office. It was it was like seven p.m. and I'm just looking at these comps. And I was in Anaheim, and this was often like ninety one freeway area ish. And I found a property for two hundred thousand dollars. It was on the market for two hundred thousand, and I was just like, I was like, whoa. That's kind of low. What's what is this property? Got me curious. I start clicking on it and I start comping that property. It was a it was a condo. It was a condo. It was a two bedroom, one bath. It was like nine hundred square feet. It was in this condo. They had a pool. They had a little clubhouse. Maybe there was like top of my head sixty four units in this condo in the gated community in Anaheim. And Anaheim is a great city, by the way. In anyone's from Orange County area,、uh, you have Disneyland there. You know, it's a very fun place and safe place to live. And the the future value in real estate, we call it ARV. 
um, the after repair value was in the 300s. I was like, whoa, there's a little spread here. It's like a $100,000 spread. So it got me really curious and I was reading the descriptions and it was a probate deal, right? So probate deal uh, is when, when someone passes away and is court ordered to sell, right? And that could be a whole topic of its own, but that's like the simple part of it. And I, um, I practiced what I learned. Uh, I, was, I was taught to reach out to the uh, listing agent directly and ask them if they are open to representing me. And that is that works in certain situations because then the listing agent will make the commission for the listing, the selling side, and also represent me as the buying side. So they get to eat the whole enchilada. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Chili verde sauce and everything fully loaded. Okay. And, um, So, and then she said yes. She said yes, and she had multiple offers on this property. This is a very important part. She had multiple offers. I believe there was three other offers, and like two of them were other investors, and another person was like a regular retail uh, re- retail buyer. And I was nervous. I was like, I was talking to the lady, and uh, I was a little bit nervous. Like deep down inside, I was nervous, and I was talking to her, and I'm just kind of like. I'm having this like moment of confidence. Like I'm just believing in myself. I know I'm going into that threshold of control, like going down that double black diamond, but I'm still in composure, right? If I give into my fears and anxiety at this point, it's going to be all belly up. You know, I've been in pressure many times before as well. So that might've probably helped me. And, and then she said, yes, she said, I will represent you as the, um, as the buyer. And I was able to be outbeat the other, other offers and I we bought the property at two hundred and thirty thousand dollars and at the time um, I was going through the whole escrow process like I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> like I'm just signing these papers like imagine that right you're buying a two hundred thirty thousand dollar tangible item okay and you you're not even like I wasn't even reading the paperwork I'm just like okay sign all right whatever sign and then. I needed to come up with the money because like I have money saved, but you learn in some of these workshops or, you know, people say use other people's money. So I was like, let's see how far I can push that envelope. It was really a challenge. So um, I got a hard money loan and this is when I met my hard money lender, Conventus. It was the first deal that we ever done together. And before that, actually, before I called Conventus, I called other hard money lenders and they were like, oh, this is your first home. Oh, we can't lend to you. I was like, what? Like, I'm like, they didn't teach me that. I thought they were going to say yes, right? So I'm like, damn, this is not good, right? I don't, uh, what I'm going to say next, you know, this was my own personal choice. I don't recommend people to go do this. But when I called my other lender, my third lender, I was. they asked me how many experience. And I just said, I have a few. <laughs> I just said, I have a few. <laughs> and then I have because I'm learning from people that have done hundreds. So that's that was kind of my context. Like I was like, you know, I have to make this work or I'm going to lose this deal. So by all means, I had to have a little white lie. You know, I did a few, you know. Luckily, they didn't really ask me. They don't know this till today, actually. They think I'm some kind of like real estate, like a Mongol or something. They really do. <laughs> and I talked to the owner directly of this hard money company. And and as I, I, pro- I haven't even told him this story. And I hope he's not listening. <laughs> even if he is, I really don't care. We'll laugh about it at this point. <laughs> um, but I, the point was that I want to make is that I did what I had to to make it work, right? And I, I wasn't going to take... 
I was going to take failure as an option. Like I'm going to make this work. Like, I tried a couple of times. I got a couple of dead ends and I'm going to make this third one work. And I'm running out of time at this point. I only have seven days to close now. It was a 14 day escrow. Now I only have seven days to close. And I'm already on the third call with my third hard money lender. So I had to make it work. You have to understand this moment I was in. I had to just do or die. And I made it work. I made it work. And they said, okay, we'll lend up to uh, 85% of the, pro- of the purchase price. And I had to come up with 15%. And I put my EMD in, I think it was like 10 grand. I put the EMD in and I had this little, little, I had to like come up with another like 30 more thousand dollars or around there. And I was like, okay, so, um, you know, utilizing what I learned. And at the time, what I learned was to raise more money from other private money lenders. So I, I knew someone that I knew that she owned a couple of businesses. And I said, Hey, you know, there's a lending opportunity here. And, and do you want to lend? I was shocked, you know, <laughs> I was really shocked because this is my first deal ever. And then they lent me money, like $30,000. Like it's, it's out there. I got a couple of no's. I, I remember I asked like two other people and they say, no, like they say, Oh, you know, come back to me when, you know, you've done a couple more deals. And I, I totally understand the perspective, you know, they want to be a little bit more, uh, mitigate their risk. I totally get it. But the third person, she was like, okay, I'll invest into you. Okay. And I gave her interest and all that. And the rest was history. So we closed on this property. And I remember it was, February 14th, because it was Valentine's Day. I remember signing the loan docs and the escrow papers and all that. And they sent me an email, oh, congratulations, you closed. And it was actually Valentine's Day. And at the time, my ex-girlfriend was like, okay, well, this is our Valentine. I'm like, this is the best Valentine's you're ever going to have. <laughs> I just went from zero to 100. I just achieved the best thing in my life. And then th- that's the reason why she was one of my ex-girlfriends. But anyways, <laughs> and um, that was, uh, and then that was history. The rest was history at that point. And I, at that point, I had money. I had money to the rehab. I was looking at about $15,000 for the rehab. I penciled in and I had money to do it, but I didn't want to use my own money for some reason. I just, I was really on disbelief of like not using any of my money. So what I did was I did a car title loan. I had the pink slip to my car at the time. And it was like, it was a, it was a Dodge Caravan at the time. And it was probably like, it was worth like $20,000. Right. And, um, I went to a call car title loan and then negotiated some interest rates and, and they gave me $15,000 and they took the pink slip and they gave me 15,000. It was a higher interest. I wouldn't recommend it. it was like 18%, but I only had the project for like three months anyways. So I said, Oh, I pay 18%, you know, divide that by, you know, 12 months times it by three. Okay. That's not too bad. Um, like a few hundred bucks. I think it was like a couple, like 1500 out the door I spent. Uh, and that's what I did. I got the car title loan at 15,000. I used that money for the rehab and huge learning experience was I didn't have a contractor at this point and I didn't know anything about construction, like other than the stuff that I learned. And I was nowhere where I am today. Looking back at it, I'm like, I can't believe I did what I did not knowing what I know now. <laughs> I'm like, wow, it was a big, you know, thousand degree difference. Right. And I asked, I, but I was smart. I, I asked around. I was like, who do I know that is in this business that actually, you know, walked, you know, they're actually walking the walk right now. Like they're actually fixing homes. They're, you know, doing construction, they're flipping homes. Who's in it? So believe it or not, I was like pretty well connected in the clothing business. And the owner of the uh, restaurant that I always go for breakfast, he knew a guy 
um, that was doing this business and he, he introduced me. I was like, perfect. Can you help me out? I'll give you a little money on top. Can you, you know, renovate my home? Perfect. Right. And you would think that sounds good. Right. But the guy totally screwed me over. Like <laughs> he was never there. You know, the quality wasn't that good. Um, and you know, I'm really proud of that because that really showed me like, okay, if it's up to me, I have, I have to like be somewhat in control number one. And number two, now I know, like, I learned more from my mistakes. Like, I know, like, okay, he was definitely not the level of contractor that I was looking for or I needed. And then it took me a while, actually, it took me like three years to figure that out. Like, why was I keep getting these results? Because in construction, you know, you, you don't, there's a, there's a, there's a higher percentage of lower quality um, detail and results. And then as an investor, and we're selling these homes at the highest price possible, you know, we want to have the car wax and detailed and, the, you know, the, the small details are so important. You know, if I have a car in the showroom at Mercedes, you know, it's going to look pristine and fresh and smell good and everything's going to look flawless, right? No one wants to go in a dealership and like buy a dirty, ugly car, right? Even though it might be new. So same concept. And um, but we did, but we did good. We still did good on this project. Um, going back to it. Uh, after we put 15,000, um, I worked with the realtor that I knew and, um, we actually did a 7% listing. This was my first 7% listing out there. And any realtors listening out there, like what you did a 7% listing. Yeah, I did a 7% listing. And what we did was it was 3% to the, my list, my realtor, who's the listing agent. And we gave 4% to the buyer's agent and immediately as soon as we went on market like the phones were ringing because like real real estate agents get paid by commission and you know they're going to show clients they're they're somewhat enticed to show clients that they're going to make more money i mean it's part of the game right and we did good it was and then we got it we got a couple offers we were multiple and it was we we actually picked the uh, offer that they were a couple and they were doing a, a one the guy was a the, the husband was um, a, uh, a veteran, he, you know, he served for us and I had a compassion for him. And, you know, we, we projected to sell this house for 300,000, but because we applied certain selling marketing strategies, uh, we actually sold this house for 330,000. But the craziest part was we were negotiating this. We were literally at the property negotiating this in person. They were like, oh, the, maybe they can go up to like, 310 and then we kept went we went back and forth a couple times and at the last time the rules the 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 but the buyer's realtor came out with with to me and my realtor and he was like look we got to make this work you know 330 is a little steep but how can we make this work and literally the buyer's agent gave some of his commission like like eight thousand dollars to make up the difference to hit that price so just because we put seven percent out there doesn't mean like i paid that whole seven if that makes sense so we did good on this property. So at the end of the day, I think we cashed out like $30,000, like net profit. And that was just the starting of a tip of the iceberg, really, for the real estate business. Wow. That, yeah, that, 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 it, it, I was right there with you, you know, in, in, in the ups and downs and working with someone that you didn't know, working for the first time with this contractor, and then they didn't do a good job. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, first off, Andy, congratulations on on that first deal and on jumping, right? I think that that's a 
that's a big thing and it's it's difficult when you are you know when you're thinking you know when you're starting when you haven't done any work it's it's scary right yeah so um totally. what advice you know do you have to to our students to investors that that were where you were you know at that time you know what what advice do you have and and also what advice do you have after they jump after they get their their first flip you know uh, under contract or you close escrow and and you know what what are the pitfalls that could come up that came up maybe for you or you heard from partners that we can give them as tools for the future yeah absolutely um i think like your you know this first property that i did and i made this thirty thousand, it was great this was like a proven theory to me like this works right i can do it this works like i knew i wasn't like fully skilled but given all the turbulence and the turmoil we had like we still pushed through and like i created the result and this was like you know six years six years ago in like 2015 right and um but the biggest thing that i would tell uh, other investors that are starting off and they did like one or two deal i think that's like the most area that you have to be very careful because like once you have so many wins like you start to get a little cocky well I, at least i did not, this might not apply for everyone but at least i did like my first that first deal i made thirty thousand. immediately i jumped up to like a five hundred thousand dollar price point i went from two hundred thousand two hundred thirty thousand dollar purchase price to like 500 and then and after that like i, I immediately simultaneously without even finishing the, the second project like i bought another property at like eight hundred thousand dollars right like I was on something like I, I I don't know if it was something I ate or something I drank or something, but like I really was on something like I was on like cloud nine. I, I just thought like, oh, yeah, this is all going to work out perfectly. Like it's going to be rainbows and it's going to be unicorns. Like everything's going to work out. This is all good. It's going to be fine. But the problem is that was my uh, that was my fault. That was uh, I was I was just seeing everything is from a positive perspective. Like this is so easy. But I think uh, having those successes. Um, were great, but at the same time, there was a lot that I needed to overcome, even just as a person, um, all my fears, anxiety as a leader, what I needed to like distill myself, better business practices, more organization, like having good systems in the back, back end. And I think the big, 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 big thing, the biggest thing is having a really good team, right? Real estate is very demanding. There's like a lot of moving parts. Like either you're like a realtor, you're doing investing, you're doing development, you're doing you know an architect, you know designer, interior designer, construction, especially construction, and selling the property, doing your accounting, doing your books. At the same time, you gotta like live your life, you know, be with your friends and family at this at the same time. It's very demanding, very very demanding. And there's a lot of moving parts. And like anything in business, you need to have a solid team, right? And my my demise was the fact that. After that one big win, I just went all in without having a good, without having a good foundation, without having a good team, not having a good contractor. Um, that's you know I had great people. It's just there was a certain you know I love them. At everyone I that came across like my path, like they were great people. It's just that I was looking. I needed a certain level of I, I had a certain level of standard, and I needed a certain level of standard of delivery and I, expectations from like you know vendors, contractors to hit that hit that goal. Because we have to hit that goal to make it work. Like we have to be on time. We have to um, make sure we're not doing things twice at the job sites. You know, why did this get lost? So who didn't do this? You know, and this is like the story of my life, right? Um, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that, and I scaled so fast, so quickly. I have I, I, after that first property within two years, I had six properties at the same time. Wow. I had about eight million dollars worth of assets. 
8 million. And I thought I was like, I thought I was rich. I really thought, I thought I was rich. And these were all leveraged. This was all leveraged. And here's the issue though, because there's something called a learning curve, right? If you're, if, if, if I had a graph, like, you know, in, when you first start something, you have an immediate learning curve. And then just like the, you know, black diamond snow, um, skiing example I gave, I literally jumped over the threshold of control. And I knew that's like the best way I'm going to learn, like just by going to the deep end. I don't advise that for everyone because like, if you don't put out the fires fast enough, like you're going to really lose your arm. You're going to really lose your shirt in real estate. So, you know, I played with the fire, got a little bit burned, you know, it's okay. Um, I learned from it. And now there's certain things that are non-negotiable in our business, like having really good documentation, having a really good uh, contract with our vendors and our contractors, having a payment schedule and just like sticking to it. You know, sometimes personally, I'm a hopeful person and I like to give people sometimes the benefit of doubt and like, okay, maybe they'll do better next time. Right. Oh, hey, hey, buddy, can you do this a little bit better next time? You know, but that that only goes so far (laughs) that only you only get so many second chances so far until like this is not working. Like I'm not getting what I need and, and I'm paying you for it. It doesn't make any sense. You know, that's very weird. So, you know, there's a couple of things now in today's, uh, in today's business and fast forward, you know, uh, having a good system, having a good scope of work, having, you know, a good Gantt chart, um, or schedule chart and, uh, just really sticking to your values, like just sticking to it. What, what do you stand for? Are, are you going to be mediocre? Are you going to allow people to, you know, not follow directions? Are you going to allow, are you going to really let that slide? And like, and, and, and no one wants to be a dick, right? Like no one wants to be a dick about it, but like, hey, this is not working. I'm paying you. I got to be on time. I got I, I got a big risk here. I'm paying hundreds of dollars of interest on a daily basis. Like this is not work. You coming at, you coming to the job site half-assed doesn't work for me. It really doesn't because I'm paying for that. I'm paying you for it and I'm losing on top of it. That, there's like a double lose right there, right? And you know what? Some people are not ready for that. Some people are not ready to be in their power. Some people are not ready to be in that excellence. And, you know, I really had to recalibrate my energy really because I had to source people that are going to be on that level. I had to source people like Joe, like, you know, I magically met people like Joe and another good buddy like Johnny, right? Like we really got together, like like really hungry people that wanted to grow and become the best version of themselves for themselves and also in real estate, like constantly grow, 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 learn, 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 learn and go, go, go. And I literally had to manifest this in my life, you know, coming from abundance, right? And that was a huge thing. And once I did that, and I constantly do it, more and more things pop up that I need. Like, oh, that's exactly what I needed. You know, I had to go through some training. I had to hire a coach and I had to do some, you know, releasing and stuff like that. It was a constant thing. I, I you know, no one likes to use this word, but I literally brainwashed myself to become successful, literally. Like, uh, you know, fear, loss, doubt, you know, unworthiness, like, yeah, I'm human, but that's not the context of myself anymore, right? And honestly, I am so grateful, even though I felt the burn, I'm so grateful for all my learning spaces, experiences because that has defined me and made me who I am today. And I've become a stronger, better person today because of those challenges and I got through them, right? And mm. yeah, I mean, if all the new people out there, take it step by step, you know, if I'm coming back to it, like chunking it down, Take it, take a step like that. Do one project, do another one, you know, one at a time. Don't get greedy, you know, oh, this is easy. Okay. And if you're the conservative type, good for you. You know, you know, I think one at a time. I think scaling in increments is good. Like, you know, let's let's you know, let's learn to crawl, walk, and then run. Like I just crawled and I just freaking ran a marathon. Like, what the hell? Like, oh, like I was, you know, like usually if you're running for a marathon, like a long marathon, you got a condition for it. Like your body's going to dehydrate. You got to have carbs. Like it's very scientific. So real estate is very scientific too. It's all data. So that's what I would say for um, new people out there and really 
build your team though at the same time people that are going to be on your level that's going to create excellence that's going to deliver on their products and services you know i'm talking about real estate agents realtors brokers escrow officers contractors architects designers right um mentors right you want to find people that's going to deliver excellence to you and to your business and they're going to be aligned to that and they you you know you can only pick somebody up so many times right and then it just gets a little bit old and it gets really taxing on you anybody that's running a business or been a manager in their life like managing people is one of the hardest challenges things right and having good systems and having that expectation and being on the same page yeah i want to do great uh i want to get paid and i want to do great and i want to hire people i'm going to constantly source people that's going to want to do great and they're happy and and i'm happy and i'm happy to pay them and they're happy to get my money because they're doing great work is it always perfect look if someone's doing 75 percent out of 100 i'm happy with that that 25%, yeah, over time might get better or I'll, I, I'll hire someone to do that. But if someone's giving me like 30%, like that's not going to work for me. You know, yeah. but it's not going to work for my investors, not going to work for my business. Again, because I'm paying money and I'm losing and I'm paying interest. So I'm like double losing. So it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense in this world. So that's what I'll say for new investors. You know, just you know, your third, fourth property, I think that's like the, that's, that's, those are the investors that scare me. I get worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to do what I did? I hope not. You know, the smart ones, you know, you want to take step by step. It, you know, this is not a, this is not like a small real estate. In my opinion, is not a small really race. This is like more of a long triathlon, right? Like there's so much to learn. There's, it's so diverse. There's so much to do here, you know, and knowledge is power, but knowledge is only power. If you execute what you know, right. You know, you can know everything, you can absorb everything, but if you don't, act, you don't actually execute, then what's the point of learning it? You know, I'm going to learn, I'm going to go to these seminars. I'm going to learn it about, well, but I'm not applying it. I'm not executing it. Then okay, and you just know it, but you're not being proactive, right? Absolutely. So I would, it, it, it goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand, and I think that's what you call growth. Wow, Andy, that's that's incredible. That you know, I'm hearing that. Yeah, you were able to to take a lot of those experiences and 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 transform that in time, but also like you know, as you are getting so many wings, you like you were sharing. You know, you can get cocky. People, we all do, and and. I guess the advice for you, besides all the real estate advice you're giving your, you know, you're, you're giving everyone that is listening to our audience, it's also to always be present and also, you know, be, be conscious. If you win, you know, just be, you know, create more abundance, but don't think every deal is going to go perfectly. So you have to kind of like always be reinventing yourself. Um, Andy, I wanted to ask you uh, about something. I, I know that I know you personally, and I know that your levels of, of quality are extremely high. I, I know you as a perfectionist, and, um, and I understand when you're sharing you know, with me and with all of us that you were not happy with uh, contractors along your career, your path. Um, I also know that you are a, a contractor owner business, um, a business owner, and and you run an incredible job, and you have a you know incredible systems. I wanted to ask you: um, Did you start your own construction company because you couldn't find the quality that you wanted for yourself and potentially for other clients? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like around our third or fourth project, and uh, I hired the GCs. You know, you learn you learn to use general contractors so that they can manage your job and et cetera. But then what I found out real quick was that all general contractors have like three or four jobs and they're trying to juggle to make their ends meet at the same time to keep the guys busy. So 
as a real estate investor, like, you know, turnaround time is really important. I mean, I'm not crazy. I'm not like, oh, build this house and like something that's going to take like 12 months, do it in like, you know, two months. I'm not, I'm not delusional, but then like, you know, hey, okay, look, this is a project we have. Um, what's the realistic time frame to finish? Okay, three or four months. But then three, four months go by and then like it's not even finished. And then we have progress like, okay, week one, week two, week three, uh, what are we going to do? And then that just keeps like falling off the table and like balls are dropping to the ground. And then I just like one day I just was like totally fed up. I'm like, why am I paying this guy 20, 30% more than what I can go hire other people to do for? And then, uh, okay, maybe in another perspective, I'm hiring him for his experience and his know-how, okay, which is good, but like I need results. I need to be on time and the work has to be done at a certain quality, right? We don't want to see like damaged walls and cricket walls and, you know, damaged cabinets, right? Tell me how I know, right? And, and you know, sometimes you're just playing the blame game. I'm just, I just got tired of it. And I just like, why am I paying somebody 20, 30% more? Um, even though they have knowledge, I, I just can't be on time. So, uh, and one thing I left out was my dad's, been a contractor for most of his life since he came here uh, in the 80s and his his main business is doing interior exterior painting um people take that lightly like oh it's easy to paint but actually painting is a really hard job to do because all the details come in and if you like overpaint you know like that's not good if you underpaint that's not either good too and then paint like you got to be very careful because if you don't if you're not careful you can like splash paint everywhere on the floor so it's actually more that's one of the most detailed jobs out there. Um, and he also does flooring, crown molding, baseboarding. He can do some handyman work, like hang doors and stuff. And then he has his own business. So I, in the beginning, I didn't want to like ask my dad for help because, you know, he's running his own business. And if anything, I, I would have to ask him to like come and work and help me for free. <laughs> so uh, that, that kind of didn't make sense. And then I didn't really want it. But I did ask him like, hey, can you give me some referrals? And he definitely helped me out with referrals and everything. So that kind of came through. So yeah, um, coming back to it, within the third or fourth project, I was just kind of tired of it. I was just tired of babysitting the general contractors. I was tired of then the lack of supervision at the job site. And I'm tired of like inspections not passing. I'm tired of like doing work twice and like what the heck. And then just getting more stress and things getting lost and everything's dirty and messy. Just I just can't stand a messy job site. Like it just bothers me very much. Like I'd like to have like all organized and like things could be like more streamlined. So I was just like, I just had it. I just had it at that point. And we're like, okay, you know, we're going to start doing our own construction work because it was just too much liability. And, you know, in the beginning, in, within the first three, four years, we were only doing our own projects, like our own investments that we were developing. But then like when we're doing open houses, home people would come to our open houses and they're like, Oh, I saw your property on Redfin on the MLS. I, I live around the corner or I live in the area. We love, we love the finishes. We love the property. It's so clean. It's so detailed. You know, I was watching it, you know, as you guys were doing it, it went pretty fast, you know? And then they were like, who did the construction? I'm like, we did. And then they're like, Oh, I, well, I got my home. People were like, I got, they want to renovate their house. And I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like, but we don't do work for other people. And then they were like, and then I was just thinking like, huh. And then so many people were asking for our services. We're like, maybe we could make this a business. And then something triggered. I'm like, if they want work done, I guess, how much are you willing to pay? You know, I'm not going to do it for free, but if the numbers make sense, like, okay, maybe we could do it. So that, that's kind of how the whole construction business started. Um, right now we work with, uh, we learned, I learned quickly that 
to be successful in construction, it's all about manpower, right? Because everything's done by hand. Like every single thing in the whole building of a home, right? Whether it's from like demolition to like framing to like flooring, like it requires someone's hands to do it. Yeah, you can get some machines to help you like dig the dirt faster and stuff like that. But still, someone has to manually manage the machine, right? So it was a very labor intensive business. So I knew real quick that I needed to work and have a big army of people to work that's qualified and skilled. So, you know, today we have relationships with multiple GCs where we're their like joint venture partners. So like we'll work together and we'll bring leads and stuff like that. And we'll leverage each other's workers and whatnot to create the results we want. And homeowners love it because like, I'm not just using one, I'm not using 15 employees of one GC. I'm using like a hundred, like, and then, and then the thing about construction is like that one guy is not always busy. You know, because like, okay, the work comes and goes and, you know, things happen in procedures, right? Like we, we have to start with certain things first. So there's times when the framing guy has nothing to do, you know, um, and I knew very fast and quickly, like, okay, this is all leverageable, right? So the more I had, the better it was. And the, the more I had, the more flexible I was and the more, pretty much I have more options. If I have more options, then I can do more, right? If I go to the grocery store, I have a lot of options to shop any produce, then I can make anything I want. Right. But if I only had a certain ingredient, then I'm only limited to that ingredient. So we knew very quickly, like we had to work with skilled general contractors, not really for their knowledge, because if certain times like we know more than just general contractors, because we did so many projects, we did over like 35, 35 renovations till today. And sometimes there are cases where like we know more construction or we know more business, like how to keep things organized, streamlined, bookkeeping, scheduling contracts, like like most contractors like are hammer and nails and they're at job sites and sometimes they're not the most organized people. Exceptionally, there are some people that are like extremely organized and, and we love working with them. So we fill in the gap. We could do both. We have construction knowledge. We know how to do it. And we also have business knowledge, right? So if a contractor, general contractor or whatever is good in one side, they're really skilled with hammer and nail. Perfect. I'll give you more work for hammer and nail. And I'll take care of everything else for you. And they love it because then they don't have to deal with the paperwork. They just do what they're good at. So it creates a good relationship. And we elevate them. I'm like, hey, look, look if you organize this, 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 it's better for you. You can do more. And they love that too because if they can do like 10 jobs in one year and they do 15, hey, more money for them too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, Rob, I just wanted to add to this because I, I think that this is a very important point. And, 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 you know, a lot of investors, um, they talk about, they think about GCs as GCs. And I think that one of the great things of working with you is the possibility that they're, they're actually hiring a GC, but they're not hiring a GC only. They're hiring an investor. They're hiring someone that knows what is to have a hard money loan every month, that knows that one month late, it's, it's, it's another added, you know, money that you're not going to make, you know, on the profits. So I think that that's, and that's something I wanted to stretch, you know, because it's, it's, and stress, because it's very important, the idea that, that you have that. And I would say 95%, if not more, of contractors don't have that business side. Um, and I think it, uh, you don't have to know everything about construction, but I think getting into real estate for doing any renovation type of work, like you should have someone you can trust that you've you uh, vetted them out. You know, they're legit. You got a lot of referrals and really look at that because you're going to need someone to do that for you. You don't have to do something like we do. Like this is this works for us because we do like multiple flips in a year. And we also do work for other people like other investors, other real estate investors as well as well as like homeowners and we do like a bunch of ADUs right now. It's so popular right now in, in Los Angeles. So this works for us. And 
we constantly want to find um, better sources of, uh, um, you know, vendors and uh, partners to work with in the real estate business as well. And honestly, at nine times out of 10, it becomes like symbiotic as well. Like my architect will give me another referral or something. My cabinet guy will give me another referral. Like, so it's just, like, we're like this like family that like helps each other out. Like everybody wins here, right? And this works for us because this is my passion. This I'm 100% into real estate right now, maybe even a thousand if that's possible, if that number is possible. So this works for us. But definitely, if you're starting out, like I highly recommend getting somebody that you can trust, that you vetted out, they're legit, you know, they have good reviews, you know, you've checked up on them, you know, and start small, like, you know, do a small project, just like a quick cosmetic update, you know, and learn, learn the process, you know, um, and just have clear expectations and timeline, like, hey, I need this done at a certain time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's just been very beneficial to us. And um, I don't think we're going to stop. We're probably, we're ramping it up. The next few things that we're focusing on now is um, new construction apartment buildings. We're taking like R3, R4 properties that deserve single family homes there. We knock them out and entitle the land. And then we build like a 30 unit apartment building. So, so we're scaling, we're scaling and then constantly, you know, expanding the uh, comfort zone, constantly growing. And, and then we learn now something of that caliber. Um, I'm going to partner with somebody that has done that before. And, you know, the good systems I have, we know we own over 35 single family homes, right? And we actually did a sublot five unit sublot uh, ground up as well. So we have that experience as well, but I still want to partner with someone because working together as a team is so important because even though I'm so experienced and I have all this knowledge and experience, like I'm human and I forget one or two things, but working with people on the same level, it, it just makes that 10 times better because I might got 90 things right. And then my partner's like, Hey, you forgot that 10%. Oh, perfect. Let's just do that right now. We don't argue. We don't like, Oh, I don't Oh, Why are you calling me out? We don't do that. Perfect. Let's do that 10% right now. How, how, how fast can we do it? So then we're just covering even more angles and just making this like well-oiled machine, just like go, 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 pr produce results. And our investors are really happy with that right now. But everyone out there, I mean, couple ninja tips, go on Angie's list or Home Visors, uh, free websites where you can find contractors and ratings. You still got to bet them out. Like even though they have like, uh, I, I called a couple um, contractors before um, for certain situations, like for for something very specific, even though they have like 50 ratings, like that guy was not the right person for me because he was way too busy. And I could tell by this tone of voice and how, how he was responding to my calls and my texts, like it would delay like one or two days. Like I don't even have to bid. So I just knew it wasn't right. But then the guy that had like five reviews, he was the perfect guy I was looking for. He was available he was professional. He had a lot of experience. So you got to vet him out. Even though somebody has really good ratings, doesn't mean like they're going to be perfect for you. You got to like really, and just don't be afraid guys like like to ask blunt questions like hey how many job sites do you have right now are you on time are you delayed can you give me referrals can i contact those owners you know just to get some feedback like if they're happy with your quality work and you know what if the contractor doesn't give you that kind of a little suspicious you know why wouldn't you give me that if everything's good right like what are you trying to hide so those are little things that you can do that can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars just by doing one or two things and now, the 90-second rapid fire. The 90-second rapid fire. With Joe Arias. Favorite day of the year. The favorite day of the year for me, would I would say, is uh, April. April 15th, because Sun I get to file my tax. <laughs> Sunset or sunrise? Sunset. My mother has taught me. My mother has taught me that if I put my mind into anything, that I can make it happen. 
My father has taught me. My father has taught me that um, with consistency, you can achieve anything. Residential or commercial? Both. <laughs> What makes you feel sad? I am sad. I, I, I'm sad when I when I see people that are like in situations where like they're in a like a vicious circle of like they can't get out of a certain like circumstance or like constantly so the same thing happening to them. Um, I, I have empathy for uh, uh, people of growth. What makes you feel happy? Ooh, something that makes me happy is definitely uh, buying properties and selling them. And also uh, at the same time, uh, something that really makes me happy is uh, sailing boats. Snooze or jump out of bed? <laughs> It just depends on the day, really. There's days I just jump out of the bed. I have so much pressure. Like I got so, I gotta get, I want to get so much done that day. I'm super excited and just get up. And there's days I'm just like, oh, I don't want to get up, right? Um, but yeah, I do a little bit of both. If your house was on fire, uh, what two things would you run back and get? I definitely, I think I would get my safety box because I have money there, right? And some precious things like stuff like that. And um, I think my old photos, photos that I have here. When you were a kid, you were afraid of? When I was, uh, I was actually uh, shy. I was a little bit shy and I was afraid to talk to people in groups when I was a kid. At what age do you want to retire? I uh, want to retire as soon as possible. But realistic number, I like to retire in my 40s, early 40s, like 45. Got it. Got it. And that was 90 seconds, a little bit over. Um, and we're getting to the, the end of the show. I, um, I wanted to ask you, um, before we wrap it up, um, any... any You know, you're such a vast of knowledge and wisdom. And, um, you know, one of the best things about you is you're young. You're not someone that is like, you know, you know, you've been in business for 30 years. You have a lot of experience uh, for, for you know, what you've, what you've accomplished, your, your flips, your remodels. Um, I know you also do a little bit of wholesaling. So would you mind sharing a little bit about wholesaling? And then what is like the last thought that you would like to leave our audience with? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a wholesaling business and what wholesaling is, is we we find properties uh, directly from the sellers and then we put them under contract and we sell the rights to buy that property to another investor and we make something called the assignment fee. So we're kind of like a real, real estate agent, um, but a little bit different because we're not using the MLS and stuff. And uh, I'm in, I, for the people that are listening, I'm in Los Angeles And Los Angeles is a very competitive market here. And, uh, you know, as every year, it just gets more competitive. More and more people are investing and uh, getting a little bit saturated in a sense. So all the properties we see on the market is just doesn't make any sense to compete. Like if it's a good price and there's like 15 other offers and we don't do this. So we realize that we have to get to the source before anybody does, which is the seller. So we have a team. We have uh, six cold callers. They call call uh, sellers directly if they want to sell homes, and we target certain distressed uh, lists like for for sale foreclosures or um, pre foreclosures or probates and stuff like that, absentee owners. And then my team call, calls them, and then we have an acquisition team that locks it up. And then honestly, we kind of keep the good ones to ourselves because why not? That's why I started the whole business. And then everything else will wholesale out to other investors. And, and it's doing really well. We just locked up two properties in Memphis. I do this out of state as well as in state. We just locked up two properties in uh, Memphis um, just on Wednesday. And today's Sunday. And we already have an offer coming in on Monday. And that's like a 
$12,000 assignment fee. That's, so that's a great way to start real estate as well. Um, and for us, we have all these parts of the business because um, we have elevated in the last you know, five, six years. Um, this is now almost essential for us to have constant leads coming in for properties that are juicy and quality control management, top-notch renovations and remodeling, and then and then disposition of it. So it, it, we, we need a little bit of everything. That, this is on a higher scale. I mean, we have a team of like 30 people um, and we have managers and um, you know employees and whatnot, and they're happy to hear. Um, I think the last thing I want to leave with everybody is like, you know, stay strong and, you know, don't give up. And, you know, there's going to be a little bit of uh, turbulence, but don't let that turbulence scare you and um, kick ass out there and, um, you know, do it, do it with, uh, do it with happiness, like be, be happy and be fulfilled. You know, I, I think this is a privilege. I really see all of this as a privilege, you know, real estate, learning, growing, even my failures. Like I'm so proud and grateful for my failures because you know some people they don't even get a chance to even fail like some people have you know i think like half a million people don't have internet right now like they don't have internet like you know i'm so just grateful for even just experiences like, like this like mm. you know and um again that's gonna make you stronger and better so guys get out there and kick ass and you know do a good job and you know be humble and then you know be confident at the same time and you know you're gonna make it work you're gonna make it work i i know you andy and you know and we're gonna cut you know we're gonna be wrapping it up i have so many more questions but at least i want to squeeze this one in i know that you're someone that you're always uh learning and again this is one of the things i another thing that i love about you uh which is you're always like growing and I, and I wanted to ask you about that like um how important do you think in your journey as a businessman as an entrepreneurial that is to do personal development work oh my gosh i think personal development is essential um uh, i got into personal development in 2016 and you know i'm i'm always curious but that's just been who i am like i'm always since i was younger like you know i was always curious like you know i i remember in second grade i was flirting flirting with girls like that's how curious i was <laughs> and uh, i was always curious man i just always wanted to learn more and do more and like throw sand and burn ends like what the heck like you know just just, it was just you know play video games and you know i was just always curious like what's gonna happen I, I would throw toys off the balcony to see how the gravity would take it like I, I just remember these little things i was always curious but i think there's a difference of like you know always wanting to learn and then because that's like external right if i'm curious i want to learn i'm taking outside information bringing it in but self-development to me is actually working within what i have the fears, anxieties, and whatever, how I was brought up, et cetera, any limitations that I might be feeling, um, I work within to become whole outside, right? So I think that's a bit a good explanation. And I think a personal development is critical for everyone on this planet. You know, we're, you know, we're byproducts of the society and the media and like Instagram and, you know, all these, you know, algorithms out there. But, you know, that's, there's a very scary times we live in. And, there's some people out there that are pushing some awareness and, you know, like Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, like there's Landmark out there. There's EAC. There's like, there's so many out there. There's like Royal, Royal Way, even meditation, yoga, right? Some, mm. something's better than that. And it's a huge part of my life. Like 2016, I took my first class and it totally changed my life. Like I remember I was, I had, before I took this workshop, I had so much anxiety, like 
I just like I, I I couldn't choose what to order. Sometimes like there it came across a couple times where like what should I eat? Like I just I was just like in my head. I was just in my head a lot. And after taking the workshop, I just it just everything clicked. Like oh my gosh, like there's just something there's just like this, something just lifted out of me. Like you know I forgave my dad in this workshop. I forgave my mm. mom. Like I realized that I came to peace with them. What was came, your work? Like, your I, first workshop. My first workshop was Education Aware Gaming Center. It was here in LAX. And um, that was in 2016. And in this workshop, like, I forgave my parents. Like, I I acknowledged that my parents raised me the best they can, they could, with what they had. And it's not anymore for me to blame anyone for my circumstances or where I'm at. I I am a human being, and I'm completely independent from anyone else. And I am responsible for my outcome. No more victim, right? I don't blame people anymore. And constantly, and just because I went there, yeah, like I was on a high for like a couple of days in a week, but I plateaued right away. But then I was persistent. I was resilient. Like I just, just constant learning. You know, after that, I went to Tony Robbins. I did UPW. I did Landmark. I did Landmark Form. I did Advance. I went back to EAC. I did all the five programs they had. Um, I did Business Mastery. That was amazing, by the way. I went to Royal Way as well. I'm just constantly like growing and learning. And, um, reading books as well. There's a lot of good self-help books out there, but I think it's a viable part as a leader, as an owner, as you know, a brother, as a, a son, and a, as a you know, boyfriend. Like you know, these are things like we want to be. Um, you know, in today's world, like we take things like the, we interpretate things when, and we give it a meaning when that's just in our mind. That's not really true. You know, mm-hmm. these things that are said in our mind. Mm. and that's just a huge freedom for me mm. and Nielsen ask you you know the work I've done uh, what is the work that, that I haven't done that you would suggest that I could do to empower and improve myself uh, I think um, I know you have done a lot of uh, self-development as well I think um, I think EAC Education Awakening Center would be good mm. and as well as Tony Robbins would be good too and for me like I I I tried a whole buffet of self-development, right? And and then it's just every time it's different. Like the context and what you learn is very similar. There's some overlap. But the fact that they explain it in a different way and different, like they give you different examples, it makes it more tangible. So every time I go, like I see 20% more clearer. And it gives me more tools to reference things when I'm in a certain situation, if I'm if I'm feeling some f- fear, if I'm feeling anxiety, and if I'm feeling judgment, right? And then it just gives me more tools in my tool belt to take care of that. I could pull things from EAC, I can pull things from the form, and they kind of make my own Bruce Lee way of self-development and living my life, right? Incredible. All right, um, Andy, how... Um you know what I'm, I'm how how so there's all this wisdom all this knowledge people want to reach out to you how can they reach out to you through social media or you know whatever way you feel comfortable with absolutely they uh you guys can follow me on instagram i'm on instagram it's uh andy Choi official super simple uh it's Choi c-h-o-i uh i get that mixed a lot so it's andy Choi official on instagram on youtube as well uh andy Choi official on uh, Facebook is Andy Choi Official <laughs> and my website www.andychoiofficial. <laughs> Got it. Got it. And then for for construction and wholesales. Do yeah. they just reach uh, out to you? And- you can send your DM. 
You send me a DM. Uh, you can send me a DM or a direct message or Facebook Messenger, or you can go to my website and fill out fill out the contact contact form as well. Um, it's www.andychoyofficial.com or on Instagram, andychoyofficial. That's it. Beautiful. Last question, Andy. What is real success to you? Real success. Uh, that's a really good question. I think real success is being fully fulfilled and being happy and just living the best version of your life. You know, there's no doubt and there's no conflict of interest within you internally. And you are just fully present and fulfilled. And you know, like every cell in your body, this is the life you live. This is what your purpose is. This is what you meant to do, even when things are good or bad. And I, I think that's, I think that's a real success. And I, and having you know, comfortable money, I think that's also successful. And having great relationship with friends and family, and meeting good people that's going to elevate you and bring you up, not put you down. Oh, that's a bad idea. That sounds risky. You know, I get a lot of those. But uh, people that's like, oh, great. How are you going to do that? How can I help you? Right? Uh, just constantly surrounding yourself with good people as well, and being healthy. I think being healthy, uh, doing a hundred push-ups without a break. And a uh, hundred setups without a break. I think that's also real success. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. All right, Andy, thank you so much. It's truly been a pleasure having you in the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. This was really fun. Absolutely. Thanks for everyone for listening to our show today and keep on working hard on your crafts to becoming an investor. And everyone have a great day. <laughs>